Thank y'all. That was great. That was great. Well, I was going to do that, but they wanted to do it, so. You know, they were saying a while ago when we were singing, they said that uh, Jesus holds our future. And that's the truth. But you know, it's up to us to determine what He does with that future. Think about it. He holds it, but it's up to us. Being here this morning and everybody, and as we, as all of you know, we are celebrating our risen Savior. Today, 2,000 years ago, roughly, Christ walked out of the tomb. And He still lives today. He's in heaven, sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding for you when you pray. He's still watching over us. He's still taking care of us. He still loves us. He still cares about us. And, uh, so we're just going to celebrate Him today. And before we get into anything, I would like for y'all to keep in prayer. It's a man, his name is Dwayne Huckley. Do you, I don't know if y'all remember Stephanie that used to come here. They had moved off to Odessa, Midland, down in that area where her husband was working the oil fields. Well, Stephanie's dad has been put on hospice. Stephanie called me the other day and wanted to know if I would come and see her dad, that he was asking if I could come and see him. Uh, I know pretty well what is going on and what uh, he wants and everything, but I talked to him once before and he wasn't quite sure with his life in serving Christ. So I know what he wants. He wants to pray and ask God to forgive him. And God will. But he says, Bill, you've been with me. You've never left me. You've checked on me. He says, I want to talk to you. So I started over there Friday, but he just had a visit from hospice. And he was just totally out of it. And Stephanie called me. I was about five minutes from their house. And so I said, we'll do it later. So I turned around and came back home. She's going to call me and send it up. But y'all pray for me. That, that, that he can, I don't know what kind of condition he's in as far as he's on hospital, so that's pretty serious. And, uh, God will be with him. Uh, that uh, so we can talk because he truly knows he needs to be right with God before his time comes and he knows his time is very short you know and that's the whole thing about it none of us know the day or the time that we will be called home. That's why I keep urging everybody to have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and who they are in Him. 
If something happened to you today, would you go to heaven? You have to be honest with yourself on this. If you died today, where would you go? You're the only one that can answer that. And you know, you're going to be required to answer that. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is it there? You know, there's still many empty pages in that book. There's still room for your name. If you have not accepted Christ, I hope as we look upon this Resurrection Sunday, I still try to call it Easter Sunday, but I'd much rather call it Resurrection Sunday. As we look upon this Resurrection Sunday, what Christ did for us, He took the sufferings on Himself that we deserve. We deserve them, not Him. But His love for each one of us is so great. He said, Father, I'll go. I'll get on that cross. I'll do it for them. See, Jesus truly was the Lamb of God. You know, whenever Jesus came on the scene, John was standing there and he said something. He condemned Jesus when he saw him and he didn't realize it. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God comes. The Lamb's purpose was to be a sacrifice. And John says, The Lamb of God comes. See, it was already set up for Jesus to be the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Not just a few people, but the sins of the whole world. And it was on a Thursday evening that he had the last supper, we'll call it, with his uh, disciples. After that supper, and until today, we're going to do communion. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew that the next day, on Friday, he was going to die. He wanted a time with his father. He went to the garden. He was praying so hard, so strong, so sincere, it says that his sweat was like great drops of blood. Doctors say that can happen. The collapse. The, you know, I just lost it. Uh, but the veins in your body can rupture and cause blood to mingle with the sweat in your body or the water in your body. And sometimes it can cause sweat to look like blood. It's been verified that, that it happened. And Jesus said something. He said, Father, he asked him, he said, Father, if this cup could be taken from me, 
please. And we misunderstand what Jesus was saying when he said this. But he said, not my will be done, but yours. Whatever it takes, Father, let me do it. You know what he was saying when he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass? Remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said something. And so he had seven sayings, but this he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus went on the cross and he was dying, the sins of the whole world were taken and poured out upon Jesus Christ. God had to turn his face from his own son. This had never happened before. Why did he have to turn his face from Jesus? Because the sins of the whole world were poured out on him and God cannot look upon sin. God had to forsake his own son for our sins. Think about it. God had to forsake his one and only begotten son because of our sin. Christ knew what he was coming into. Like I said, that all happened on a Thursday. Then came Friday. That's when he was put on that cross. So this, this morning, I would like to bring you an Easter message showing the biblical and the historical proof of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's all documented. This is one of the most able to be proven things that happened back in biblical times. And still, people doubt. Why, when you go into a grocery store and you're in the checkout line and you look down there, there's an Inquirer magazine there. You look at that. Look at that. I cannot believe this happened. You believe that? Why can't you believe what God says? He's telling you what happened. And we, Well, I don't know if that could really happen like that. It happened just like the Bible says it happened. Amen. That's God's word. That's God's promise to each one of us. It is his written word to us as to what took place, what happened, why it happened, when it happened, and everything else. It's there. But yet, we want to ignore a lot of it. We don't want to overlook it. Well, I don't know. And you still got people today doubting God's word and they'll believe everything else that happens. But I'm going to show you some things here in just a minute that proves that Christ did what he said he did. He was who he said he was. He was a sinless son of God that came upon this world to take away your sins. He had no sin. Everything he did, nothing benefited him. It all benefited us. He stepped out of the glory of heaven so you could be saved. He stepped out of the glory of heaven so you wouldn't have to go to hell. Think about it. 
He didn't have to do it. But his love was so strong for each one of us. He said, Lord God, my Father, I will do it for them. I'll die for them. I'll be buried for them. But Lord, I know that I will be resurrected so that they can have eternal life for all eternity through me. This is what Easter is. This is Resurrection Sunday. It's what Christ did for each one of us. That he didn't have to do it. That he chose to be our salvation. He chose for us to be in heaven with him. It was his choice whether he went to that cross. Remember that song that we play sometimes? He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He could have called 10,000 angels. Do you realize what the power of 10,000 angels would have been? It would have been non-stoppable. But he didn't do it. He chose to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He chose to do it. He wasn't forced to do it. It was up to him. Just like it's up to us. We have a free will to where we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, where we go to heaven or where we go to hell. It's our choice. Don't blame God if you're on your way to hell. You've got the chance right now to turn that around. You've got the choice. But it's either heaven or hell. That's the only two options we got. And that's what the Bible tells us. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 10 through 12. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe in all your heart that He is the Son of God, you've got eternal life. If you say, oh, I don't believe that. No, no, there's no way that could happen. Hope you got your suit. Because it's going to be hot where you're going to go. Jesus did not hum-haw around, and I'm not hum-haw around. He tells you where you're going to go, what's going to happen if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It says the wrath of God shall be poured out upon us. I'm going to tell you right now, you do not want to be in the hands of an angry God. You don't want to be there. Because it's not going to be good. When you stand before him, that great white throne judgment, he sits there, he opens up that book of life. You're standing in front of him. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, it says you are cast into the pit of hell. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Well, Bill, what, how do I get my name in the Lamb's book of life? By believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He died for your sins and He arose on the third day, and you believe that, you're going to heaven. Now how hard is that? God did not make salvation hard. He made it very simple. He made it very easy so every single one of us could understand it. Many people think, 
<coughs> they got to do so many different kind of works, do different things to earn their way to heaven. I don't care what you do, how hard you work, you can't earn your way to heaven. It's a gift. It's a gift from Almighty God because of His love for you. Yes, a gift. Free. You didn't have to do nothing but believe and accept Jesus Christ. You don't have to go out here and work. Many people think that they have to do something really hard, really painful to themselves. There is a plan. I believe it's over in, in uh, it's one of the foreign lands there, but they're talking about it. They said they would get on their hands and knees and crawl up this mountain on these jagged rocks. Their hands, their knees, their legs would be just pouring blood from doing that. But they thought they had to do something like that to get under God's mercy. They had to do something great and wonderful. They had to suffer. No, Jesus Christ has already did that. He's already done it. You don't have to. All you have to do is believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead. I want to read, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I want to read uh, just a little bit of scripture here. This is Paul that wrote this. And what he's telling us goes right along with the resurrection. And you'll sit here. I'm going, to, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 8. And this is Paul speaking. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul received the same message and now he is relaying it to us. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul said, I am delivering you the truth of the gospel. I'm delivering you what God's word says. I am delivering you the truth. <clears throat> and it says here, in chapter, excuse me, in verse 4, and that he was buried, Christ, and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. All right, the scriptures are even telling us on the third day that Jesus Christ arose. He is telling us what the infallible word of God says. He's telling us the truth of what God's word says. <clears throat> In verse 5, and that he was seen, he's talking about now about, about the people that saw Jesus after he had risen. And that he was first seen as Cephas. Now Cephas was Peter. Y'all remember, Jesus changed Peter's name. His name was Cephas. But that day, when they, him and the disciples were tra traveling, Jesus asked a question. He said, whom do these people say that I am? Several disciples, well, you're a great teacher. You're the, some say maybe you might even be the Messiah. But you know what Peter said? He said, you are the sinless son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, that's what he called him. Now. He said, Peter means rock, something solid, something you can stand on. He says, Peter, man has not revealed this to you, 
but God himself. So Jesus named Cephas Peter. And from then on, we know him as Peter. But this is who Cephas is in the scripture. And after that, after he was seen of Peter, after that he was seen of more than 500 brethren or more than 500 Christians of whom the greater part remain to this present. Most of them are still alive at this time that Paul was writing this. They're still alive. They're still verified. They saw Jesus after his resurrection, after he came out of the grave. <coughs> but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen to James. Now James is the brother of Jesus. Do y'all realize that James, the brother of Jesus, did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah? He didn't believe he was the Messiah. Not until after the resurrection. After the resurrection, and he saw Jesus, he knew that Jesus had died, then he saw him resurrected, walking around. Then he believed. Why do we always have to see something before we believe it? Even old Doubting Thomas didn't, didn't see any, didn't believe it until he saw it. We're just like that. We want proof. We want to see it. Okay? We're getting the proof right here, right now, that Jesus rose from the dead and he's walking around and many, many people that he knew have seen him knowing that he had died. But now he has risen and he's out visiting with them. He's showing himself to them. And it says, After that he was seen to James... Then of all the apostles, <clears throat> you get to think, don't name everybody. What about Mary Magdalene? She was the first one to see him. The other women that came to the tomb to, to anoint him with, with spices and things. What about the two men on the road to Emmaus? Many people saw Jesus <coughs> that's really not listed here in, in what Paul said. But we know they saw him. He said, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. This is kind of confusing because Paul never saw Jesus. He, he spoke with him. He heard his voice. But he didn't see him. He saw a great bright light he was on his way to Damascus. And all of a sudden, that bright light knocked him off, paralyzed him, blinded him. But he heard and saw. The, he heard and then the voice. No one ever, he said, Paul, Paul, why do you come against me? Why do you do these things? See? He was totally, Paul was totally against the Christian people. He had worked around where he had many of them killed. It talks about over in Scripture where Paul was at the stoning of Stephen. And it said that Paul stood there while they were stoning Paul was holding their coats for them while they were stoning Stephen. And he became the man that wrote about two-thirds of the whole New Testament. 
God saw something in Paul nobody else saw. Paul was devout in his belief. And God knew that he could change Paul's heart. Paul would do great and mighty things for him. And he did. But Paul's, like I said, a man out of due time. He said, it just wasn't my time to see him. But I met him just like you can meet him through the Spirit. That's where we meet Jesus is through the Spirit. When he speaks with us, it's through the Spirit. When he heals us, it's through the Spirit. But Paul did a great, great thing for God simply when he finally said yes to Jesus. Have all of you said yes to Jesus? Jesus has got many powerful and great things for each one of us to do if we'll just do it. We have to be obedient to Christ. We have to listen to him. Well, do you actually hear Jesus' voice? I think in some cases some people might. But if it's not audible, it's right here in his Bible. It's in his book. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you've read maybe something several times, but then you read it again and all of a sudden something pops out of that like you've never seen before? That is God speaking to you. You've read that verse. Why? And you say to yourself, I've read this verse I don't know how many times, but I've never seen this before. No, because God's revealing it to you right now. That's the way God works. <clears throat> and you know, when they put Jesus on that cross, that was the cruelest death that they had back then. The Romans... They developed the cross and how to use it. The religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, the Romans, they were so mad and hated Jesus so much because of what he had said, who he said he was, what he was doing. They wanted to make his death as painful as they could. That's why he was crucified. Started out with the, with the lashes. It's supposed to be it's been 39, but they say there's probably quite a few more than that. Then carrying his own cross to Golgotha. He had a little help right at the end, but he carried his own cross. They got him up on that hill. He laid on that cross, and they started nailing those spikes they say it wasn't through the hands like I mentioned, but through the wrist. Because the wrist was stronger. Could hold more weight. <clears throat> and it says that uh, they could place those spikes just so-so to uh, cause a slow, painful death by suffocation. How they put those spikes in there? Where they put them? Suffocation. When they nailed Jesus to that cross, they had a little platform there for him, for his feet, where they nailed those. And he would put all his weight down. 
and that was kind of sealed off. The, he couldn't hardly he couldn't breathe unless he pushed himself back up to give the root, the lungs space to breathe. And the and the longer you stayed on there, the weaker you became, and you could not push yourself back up, and you died of suffocation, of just not being able to breathe. The soldiers would then break the legs of the prisoners being crucified to speed up their deaths. If you couldn't stand up, you suffocated faster. But think about something. Jesus' legs were not broken. Jesus' legs were not broken because he was already dead. This was to fulfill scripture in John 19.36. says, For these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. God said, a bone in my son will not be broken. And it wasn't. Even when they drove the spikes in, they didn't go through a bone. They didn't break a bone. No bone was broken in Christ's body. God, because God has already ordained there will be no bone broken in his body. Then they come along checking them. See if they were dead. And they got to Jesus and said, well, we want to make sure this guy's dead. A soldier then pierced Jesus' side and heart with a spear to make sure that he was dead. And when he pierced him, said that blood and water came out of him. When they saw that blood and water, they knew that he was dead. Even the Roman soldiers verified that Christ died right there. Many of them had several differences. Oh, he just fainted, and when they put him in that cool tomb, he, he regained consciousness. They had a number of different things, excuses. Oh, he never died. Even the Roman soldiers that were acquainted with death, that were constantly putting people to death, they knew that Jesus had died. And even said it right here. It says, and then, after his death, here come Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Come and went to Pilate, asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate gave it to him. The two went, took Jesus' body down off of the cross, took it to Joseph's own tomb, put him in there, and then it said that they had brought somewhere between 75 and 100 pounds of spices to put with Jesus for the burial. That was for the smell. But they had already put him in the tomb. Then... The chief priests and the Pharisees asked Pilate, say, Pilate, we need you to secure that tomb. We've been told that maybe his disciples might try to come and steal his body and say that he rose from the dead. Pilate did it. He secured the tomb. There was a large stone placed over the opening and then it was sealed with guards around it. These guards were armed guards. They wasn't just some men there. They were armed. They were ready for war. They were going to do what they had to do to keep that body, keep those disciples from stealing that body. 
But praise God, this was on a Saturday. Came Sunday morning. That stone was rolled back. And Jesus came out. The guards never saw him. They were there, but they didn't see. Do y'all realize that the Roman government paid those guards a great amount of money to say that the disciples came and stole the body? That's what the Bible tells us that. Jesus arose. Jesus came out of that tomb on his own. And when he came out... He didn't go back to heaven right immediately. He spent 40 days walking the earth, seeing people, people seeing him, verifying that he was alive, that he had risen from the dead. Oh, there were many witnesses. It said during the time that Jesus appeared, he appeared, like I said, to his disciples and then to more than 500 other people, to all the women like we talked about a while ago, there were numerous people that he appeared to. And I think, really, he probably his own disciples was the best testimony that Jesus had. Many of his disciples didn't want to believe that Jesus had risen until they saw him. Knew it was him. Knew that he had died. Do y'all realize that the, gov that the Roman government offered these disciples immunity? What is it called immunity? They said, if you will say that Jesus didn't rise, we won't kill you. And when the Romans tortured somebody, they had a severe way of torturing them. The disciples knew this. But yet, every one of them all the disciples died but one, which was John. God kept John alive. John is the person who wrote the book of Revelations, the last chapter in the Bible. He kept him alive. He had something for John to do. And that was to write the book of Revelations. All the other disciples died a very horrible, painful death that they didn't have to die. All they had to do was say, no, we lied about it. Jesus did not rise. But they wouldn't do it because they knew that he had risen. They knew what their faith was, that one day after their death, they would have eternal life in heaven with Jesus. They already knew this. They said, it's not worth it for us to sit here and tell a lie about him, saying he didn't rise, and then one day know that we're sentenced to the lake of fire for all eternity. No, they chose life. They chose to tell the truth. They chose not to, to, to lie about Jesus. They said, no, he has risen. He is alive and he's still alive today. He's still sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's still interceding for you. If we can believe that Jesus rose from the dead and believe it in our heart and not doubt this, you too shall have eternal life.
you one day will be in heaven. Maybe some of you in here have got loved ones that have gone on ahead of you. You're going to get to see them. And I know some of you do. But you're going to get to see them again. And this time when you see them, you're never going to have to say goodbye. This is final. This is for all eternity. The resurrection happened just as the Word of God said it did. There's no denying it. There's no marking anything. Well, I don't know about this little piece here. If God said it, count it as truth. Believe it. Get it into your spirit knowing that Jesus Christ is alive today. He came out of that tomb. And this today is the day that we celebrate that he came out and he lives forevermore. If you're here today and you're wondering, do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really believe that he rose from the dead? Do I really truly believe? I hope you do. If you don't, today would be a real good day to come and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. On the day that he arose out of that grave, the day that we celebrate so, so heavenly because of what he did. If you need to accept Jesus into your life today because you don't know whether this will be your last day on earth, you don't know when that day is going to come. All you can do is be ready when it does come. And death will knock on every single door. Death is not a respecter of persons. Young, old, man, woman, child, whoever. Death has no, he does not respect any person. What, it, what death will take from one, he'll take from the other also. The only thing we can do is be ready knowing that one day it is coming. We just don't know when. God said in his word that he knows the day of our birth and he knows the day of our death. Well, how do I know that I'm going to go back to heaven? The Bible tells us that too. He says that, 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 that whenever man dies, the body goes back to the dust from which it came from, but the spirit goes back to God who gave it. That's in Ecclesiastics. It goes back to God who gave it. Even Paul, the great writer of the New Testament says, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, when you die, your spirit leaves this body and goes directly to be with God. One day this body will join that spirit. That's going to have to happen at the rapture. If Christ called you today, where would you go? Where would you go? Would you go to heaven? Or would you go to hell? And like I said a while ago, you're the only one that can answer that question. 
You're the one that has to decide. And then receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have eternal life. I'm going to ask the band to come up and play. If uh, you're here today, if you need to make a decision on Christ, this would be, like I said a while ago, a really, really good day to do that. Actually, there's no bad day to do that. Just don't run out of time. Just don't run out of time. So if you would like to accept Jesus Christ, we have an altar down here you can come to. I'll be glad to pray with you. If you have something going on that you would just like to have prayer for, I'll be glad to anoint you with oil and pray for you. But Jesus is in this house today. Will you accept him? He is God's word to tell you this. That you need to be right with God before you take communion. And I'm going to read that to you so you can understand it. If you're not right with God, then please, don't take the communion. So if if, if the men will come forward and serve, we'll get ready for communion. Let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence, we are so thankful for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for allowing him. Thank you, Jesus, for wanting to come and take our place on the cross. Thank you for doing what you did, for your shed blood, for your dying on that cross. But, Lord God, thank you so much 
that you didn't stay in that grave. You defeated death. You defeated hell. And you defeated the grave. And Lord, that's our victory through what you did. So Lord, as we take communion in a moment, just like you did there in the upper room, we, the, communion is a memorial to Jesus Christ and for what he did on that cross for us through his shed blood, through giving his life for our lives. So as we take communion, know this is all in honor of serving and for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If y'all will serve.
Okay, as we get ready to partake of this Last Supper or Communion, it's called a number of different things. I told you a while ago there's something that I must read to you, I must tell you, before communion takes place. And uh, please listen closely. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. It means that you can have respect for what Jesus did for you on the cross. But it says here, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Look at yourself. Is there something that you need to confess before you take communion? Is there something that you need to ask God to forgive you? Is there a sin in your body that you need God, for God to give you up, to get rid of? And to examine yourself, where are you at with the Lord? It says, For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. If you do this without concern of who the Lord is and what he's done, Drain yourself into damnation. Or hell. That's what the Bible studies. It says, For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or many have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You need to be very critical of who you are. Examiners, be critical. What do you need? Do you need to ask for forgiveness? If you do, then let's do it. I'm going to wait just a, just a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity that if you need, go before the Lord, just a few minutes. Please do so now. Then we will continue and take communion for those of you who will. <clears throat> Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took the bread. <clears throat> and he says, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The bread represents Jesus' broken body on the cross. He says, Take it, eat it, and do it in remembrance of me. Take After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he did sub say, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, and do it in remembrance of me. The, the Jews represents Jesus' blood. He says, For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So when we drink this, it represents Jesus. 
forgiveness of our sins. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death to be us. We have recognized the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we are looking for his return. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can spend with you, for this communion. And again, thank you for this great, great day, the day that you arose, the day that you gave eternal life to all who will believe and accept you. Thank you for defeating death, hell, and grave when you stepped out of your grave. This is for all people who is in you, who has received you. We have, have, we have now had victory over death. We can look back now and say, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, sin, where is your sin? It's God. It is you. So, Father, thank you. Father, I ask a very special blessing on each person that you touch their lives, meet their needs. Lord, everybody's got needs. But you said, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches in So, Lord, thank you for your love, your mercy, and all your goodness. And ask your blessings on each person here. Put your edge of protection around them. Keep them safe, Lord. And, Lord, may they return again next Sunday and get in your way.